What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins. And on today's Tuesday, October 26, 2021 edition of Locked On Dolphins, we're going to be digging into 10 things that I think that I think about the 2020 Miami Dolphins and more. So buckle up. Let's get this thing rolling. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. And excited today, didn't get a chance to dig into the All-22 of Sunday's loss against the Falcons, hoping that'll come on Wednesday. But today on the show, we're nearing the halfway point of this season already, believe it or not, and in the Dolphins' case, uh, probably mercifully, (laughs) for being completely honest. Uh, But it's getting to be that time of year where where we have a bigger snapshot. We need to start kind of forecasting what exists with this team and what needs to continue to exist with this team moving forward, what needs to change with this team. A lot of observations to be had. And that is what we're going to do today on the show with 10 things that I think that I think I want to thank you for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. And with that in mind, my first observation, number one, numero uno, Sunday's contest in week eight of the 2021 regular season is the most important game the Dolphins have played thus far. I'll let that sink in. It's not for the fact of playoff magnitude or trying to end a losing streak. It is simply, we, our thought process, at least on this show, has evolved and shifted away from trying to definitively no questions asked win every single game that you're playing. And instead, I'm looking at this team through the lens of evaluating the players, how they respond in situations, what their DNA is as football players, their mental toughness, their fortitude, their dexterity, their ability to bounce back, handle adversity, so on and so forth. In addition to their physical skill and durability and ability to execute and know their assignments. And I think about the way this game went the first time for Miami. And I think about how the Buffalo Bills have just completely owned Miami for the last three years and counting. And this game is going to tell you a lot about a lot of people. It's going to tell you a lot about Brian Flores. It's going to tell you a lot about. We're assuming George Gotze calling plays now. Reportedly, according to Dave Hyde, it was Charlie Fry who was calling plays in the Week 2 debacle. Not just relaying plays in, calling plays. According to Dave Hyde, report that came out at the end of last week. This is going to tell you a lot about this offensive line. I think I know my answers for some of these guys, Austin Jackson, Jesse Davis. I'm inclined to think I already know the answer. 
Liam Eikenberg, big opportunity. Robert Hunt, big opportunity. Austin Jackson playing guard this time around, a chance to bounce back. He led the team in pressures yet again against the Falcons, which I'm teetering on the edge of having seen enough. Austin Ryder looked good at center. Did not play, was not on the team the first time around. This game's going to tell you a lot about Tua Tagovailoa. Right now, the Dolphins organization is like an episode of Game of Thrones. I don't know if you guys have partaken in the show or not, but there's a quote from one of the characters in the show, slash the books, names Peter Baelish, and the quote is, chaos is a ladder. And Tua Tagovailoa goes down in week two, seventh play of the game against the Buffalo Bills. The offense looks like complete shit without him. Let's call call it as it is. The offense was horrible, with the exception of the fourth quarter against the Raiders. Tua comes back amidst all the rumors, all the whispers, all of the franticness that has now sunken into this franchise. Because things are not going according to plan. And Tua plays arguably, I'd say this comfortably, the best two-game stretch of his young NFL career amidst all the bullshit. And if you're looking to find out what Tua's made of, You're looking for Tua to convince you, by the way, Buffalo will be the last game before the trade deadline amidst all these rumors. If you're looking for somebody to grab you by the face and say, look, I got this. Let me do my thing. The impression that Tua has the chance to provide against Buffalo with how bad it was, how lost the team was, how well he's played since he has come back from injuries. Yes, I understand he threw three interceptions and the bad decision-making in, in a couple of those plays, some young mistakes. This game is going to tell you a lot. And for that reason, I'm actually excited for Sunday against Buffalo because I want to see what, Tua brings. I want to see what version of him that we get. Because you can only play the teams on the schedule, but you did play Jacksonville and Atlanta in back-to-back weeks. What can you do against Buffalo? I'm excited to see it. The second thing that I think that I think, I'm inclined to count this season as Tua Tungvaloa's Rookie year. Obviously, he was in the building last year. Obviously, he did start more than half the games last season. But as we've seen these storylines unfold for Miami, and Jeff Darlington goes on the Ryan Rosilio podcast and likens the relationship between Tua and his head coach to Tim Tebow and John Elway back 10 years ago or whatever it was when Elway couldn't get rid of this dude fast enough. Knowing that Chan Gailey was present, most likely for Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
and most likely exclusively for Ryan Fitzpatrick before whatever reason came and they made the decision to make a quarterback swap. And I'm inclined to think that there were probably some nudges that from not Brian Flores that, that prompted that decision to be made. Um, this year, there's no doubt Miami drafted one of his college receivers. Miami did try to provide an offensive structure that is catered to his strengths with how much you know more prevalent the RPOs are, the, the presence of Charlie Fry. Now, the process to get here was bad, but the idea was to provide Tua with familiarity and try to cater an offense to him. I'm concerned that this is the best that you could do to, to accomplish that feat. But I do think this season, the vision of what it was going to look like structurally and offensively has fallen in line with Tua's strengths. And obviously, he's a year removed from the hip injury that nearly ended his career. And I'm starting to see, too, I mean, if Tua maintains the way that he's played over the course of the last two weeks, and if he maintains that over the rest of the season, He's going to be in line with what Herbert was last year. Now, he does not have the physical tools of Justin Herbert, and all of the anti-Tua fans in the fan base, which I think it's ridiculous that we're pro and con players on the team. We should all be rooting for them to succeed, even if you have an opinion of whether or not you think that they will. He's never going to have the physical tools of those guys. But if he can play fast and confident and instinctually, and you can provide him with enough answers at the line of scrimmage to get into proper kinds of plays, his efficiency within his own style of play can provide us with some really interesting potential to continue to evaluate for the rest of the year. At the very least, in line with what Joe Burrow did last year before he got hurt. And again, I'm not saying that year three is going to be equivalent to what year two is for Justin Herbert and that two is going to be an MVP candidate next year or anything like that. All I'm saying is Tua, after what? He's had four starts this year. He had nine starts last year, so 13 starts. Starting to settle in a little bit. You actually have something that's catered around him with the vision of him in mind this year. Let's see what he does with it. I'm inclined to, to not count on those nine games last year too hard, even though that's tough because that is such a large part of the evaluation that we are all working with right now amidst all the other rumors that exist. Dolphins fans, there's an incredible app that everybody who drives needs to know about. It is Get. Upside, listeners of this show are making 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill out. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN, and you can get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's 20, 50 cents cash back per gallon. Don't pay full price at the pump. Get cash back using Get Upside. Download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. 
people who drive a lot are making as much as two to three hundred dollars a month. That's promo code touchdown on app. Get upside. The number three thing that I think that I think for the Miami Dolphins. We did this exercise a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, and we looked at what players are considered building blocks for Miami. Miles Gaskin made the list, and I had him listed as an adequate starter. And if you told me that Miles Gaskin was back next year, I would be perfectly fine. But I think the opinion that I'm going to have here is that if you told me the Dolphins did not bring back any running backs out of the 2021 room, I don't think I'd be bothered by it. Top three backs, Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, and Savon Ahmed. Malcolm Brown, expiring contract. Savon Ahmed, restricted free agent. Miles Gaskin, under contract beyond this year. Yards per carry, Miles Gaskin, four and a half. Malcolm Brown, 3.8, with a 24-yard rush, which is the longest rush the Dolphins have had all season. And Savan Ahmed, 2.7. Ahmed, 28 carries for 75 yards. Malcolm Brown, 33 carries, 125, and one touchdown. Miles Gaskin, 54 carries, 240 three yards, 4.5 yards per carry. It's really interesting. Never mind the fact that Miami is averaging only 20 rush attempts per game. The Dolphins running backs have one rushing touchdown combined this season. The quarterbacks have twice as many. Jacoby Brissett has one, came on the last play of regulation for the Ra- against the Raiders, and two has one which came in week one against New England. Dolphins quarterbacks have twice as many rushing touchdowns. And when I said this was a team that was built to pass, to set up the run in the offseason, this is not what I had in mind. And that's why there was some critique there yesterday when we were going through the narrative and the you-know-what measuring contest about the production that Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddell and Kyle Pitts have put up thus far this season. So this group, Miles Gaskin has three receiving touchdowns. He has 28 catches on 36 targets, 4.7 yards per touch, 389 yards from scrimmage, three touchdowns. There's a spot on this team for Miles Gaskin next year. There's no doubt about that. But if you told me the team decided to push all the chips into the table and say, we're finally going to fix this problem. And it meant Miles Gaskin's not back. I don't think I'd be sad about it. Thing I think, I think number four. I'm getting whatever I can for Devontae Parker at the trade deadline. Whatever I can get. Devontae's had a nice run. We thought for sure at the end of his rookie contract, he'd be up out of here. That has not materialized. And when Devontae Parker plays, he's p- quite productive. This year, he's averaging 14.2 yards per catch. Um, his catch rate 
is near a career low, however, 53%. His yards per target, slightly below his career average. Uh, That career average was boosted by the last two years, having 231 targets over the uh, 30 games he played in 2019 and 2020, and 9.4 yards per target on 128 targets in 2019. If I can get anything at all for Devontae, given his contract situation, given his availability issues, I'm taking it. Do I think they will do that? No, I don't think so. We have not really seen any entertainment provided for Devontae Parker as far as the rumor mill um, has not been mentioned at all as a potential item or player, I should say, uh, to be traded at the deadline. Item number five that I think that I think. And this is expanded, and I'm not the first one to have this idea, and there's a lot of great Dolphins content creators out there. And I believe Alf uh, of Three Yards Per Carry, uh, Alfredo, has said this. The decision to draft Waddle in the first round has left you very little room to make any other decision than to guarantee that Mike Gesecki is back on this football team again in 2022. There is no excuse not to bring back Mike Gesecki. Now, he was a second-round draft selection in 2018, which means there is no fifth-year option. That is something to be mindful of. But what I know is this. We are beginning to see the NFL spend at the tight end position. The Patriots gave John U. Smith and Hunter Henry $12.5 million per year on average apiece this past offseason. In 2021, the franchise tag value of the tight end position was $9.601 million. It was one of two positions that don't include kicker and punter. The other one being running back that did not have a franchise tag value above $10 million in guaranteed money. If you can't figure out a long-term deal with Mike Gusecki, you franchise tag him. Period. He's been tremendous for you this year. He's leading the team in receiving with 427 yards, a.k.a. 61 yards per game. He is the team high in yards per target. His catch efficiency, he's been targeted 51 times and has caught 73% of those targets. He is a freak, freak of an athlete who's 6'6", 250 pounds, runs a 40-yard dash in a 4.55 second. He's extremely explosive, high ball extraordinaire, red zone weapon. And over the course of, between the time that the Dolphins drafted Hunter Long to the start of the season on this podcast, we said a number of times, well, I'm a little apprehensive about what the writing on the wall says for Mike Isecki based on the way that this coaching staff has addressed the the tight end position this offseason. 
I don't care how they addressed it now because the staff that they brought in, the personnel decisions that they've made in general, it's been a dumpster fire. And if you're going to run it back no matter what, either Brian Flores needs to hire a well-experienced offensive coordinator to run his offense in 2022, or you're going to be hiring a new head coach, and he's probably going to be an offensive mind. And either way, they're going to look at what Mike Gusecki brings to the table, and they're going to value it more than this year's staff did by trying to segue away from a hybrid flex tight end by drafting in the third round a more traditional player who can play with his hand in the dirt. That's number five thing that I think that I think. We're back and better than ever. However, with a new web interface for the start of basketball season, BetOnline remains your number one spot for the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% bonus. Basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for 2021. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. RockAuto.com is a family business who's been providing auto parts customers with high-quality service online for the last 20 years. So whether you're shopping for engine control modules, brake parts, taillights, motor oil, or even new carpet for your classic or daily driver, RockAuto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog, and in just a few clicks, you can get everything delivered directly to your front door. Best of all, price to the same at rockauto.com for both professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Visit rockauto.com for all your auto parts needs and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Item number six. This one's a quick hitter. Keep plugging away with Jason Sanders. He had some hard luck. He obviously had one block this past weekend. He was automatic inside of 50 yards last year, and he was generally speaking automatic for the first 12 or 13 games of the season, no matter where you asked him to kick from. He's seven for for 10 this season. He's missed twice from 40 to 49, and he's missed once from 50-plus. And the 50-plus was like a 58-yarder, which I'm not going to hold against him for missing. You guys just gave Jason Sanders a really high vote of confidence with the contract that you gave him. So if you get fourth and five or fourth and six plus, and you're at the 38-yard line, keep kicking. Let this man earn his money. Let him find his rhythm and his confidence again. Please. There's been a couple of times where I've been surprised Miami has opted to play the field position game instead of going for points. And I understand the block field goal leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth last week. But Jason Sanders didn't forget how to kick the football. He might not be as automatic as he was the year prior, but he is still very much one of the more valuable weapons the Dolphins have for his big leg and his ability to make big kicks. So let's not forget that moving forward. Item number seven, I think that I think Christian Wilkins is earning himself a contract extension. 34 tackles, three sacks, five tackles for loss, six quarterback hits, 
a pass defense and a forced fumble in seven games thus far this season. I would like the record to state Wilkins is a half sack away in seven games from equaling his previous career total in sacks. He had three and a half coming into the year. Uh, He's one quarterback hit away from equaling his career total coming into the year in year three. We haven't even played half a season yet. Christian Wilkins has been terrific. He's been persistent. He's playing a healthy volume of the snaps. He is playing 65% of the snaps. I'd ideally like to see that number up even a little higher. He played 70% of the snaps last year. I know we're seeing a lot of Adam Butler and a lot more of of the um, crowded fronts with linebackers in the box and walked up into the line of scrimmage, walked up over top of guards. But uh, let's continue to keep your best players on the field. Looking at you, uh, Jalen Phillips at defensive end, who played just 15 snaps in week seven against the Falcons. Have no idea why. Um, but Christian Wilkins, man, is really living up to this potential. Item number eight that I think that I think I am ready to see literally any other options that we have to play linebacker beyond Elan and Roberts, uh, who it was apparent during the game against Atlanta. And obviously Jerome Baker went down with an injury, had an MRI. looks like he avoided any major damage and that's good. But I'm right. Like, if you're going to go out and you're going to keep 12, 13 defensive backs, you got to have a safety who can play on the second level and fill the run on interior gaps, right? I understand Elandon Roberts is a thump thud between the tackles kind of linebacker. He's very dense, he's very explosive, uh, but he has struggled mightily in coverage this thus far this season and uh, missed tackles continue to be an extremely problematic issue for him. Pro Football Focus charting him uh, at a 25% missed tackle rate this season. That's alarmingly high. Over the past four games, Elena Roberts has been targeted, I believe, 13 times in coverage and has conceded 12 receptions for 160-something yards. Four straight games of a passer rating allowed of over 100 when targeted in coverage. And then you take into account the amount of snaps that he's playing. He's playing 55% of the snaps thus far this season for the Dolphins defense. I think that number is too high. The last four games, 70% of the snaps, 59% of the snaps, 47% of the snaps, 70% of the snaps. 57 in week three against the Raiders. I need to see less of Elandon Roberts on the field and get a better feel. It's a passing league, and if teams are going to run on you, let them run on you. I'm sorry. And I know the run defense has not been particularly good. But having a guy who has no coverage upside when he's missing tackles as often as Elan and Roberts is, is not really going to help you either, in my opinion. Item number nine that I think, that I think, 
I think it's Noig Benogany time. Jason McCourty um, going on IR as of Monday afternoon. A foot injury sounds like this has the potential to be a long-term issue for the Dolphins. Igbenogany's got to play. I understand he's not playing. He's seceding dressing on game day in favor of the likes of like Elijah Campbell, who was a waiver wire pickup after initial roster cuts from the Jets because Campbell plays special teams. And I get that. But Igbenogany was pressed into action against Jacksonville out of necessity because of the injuries to Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And we need to see more of him. We need to continue the evaluation process, and we need to figure out, are we reserving a roster spot for this guy next year because we think he can continue to develop? But I'm sorry. You're only going to get so much valuable experience playing in practice. And I thought there were some things that Igbenogany did reasonably well against Jacksonville. It wasn't finding the football at the catch point. It wasn't having great spatial awareness to understand where the sticks were on third and long. But the tackling, the physicality, the energy, these things were good. Let's see if you can't get him out there a little bit. Make sure you're being privy to matchups and not asking him like you did in his baptism by fire, welcome to the NFL moment, Byron Jones goes down and you put him out there and ask him to play man coverage against Stephon Diggs in week two of 2020. Don't do that. And be mindful because you play Buffalo this week. That's item number nine that I think that I think. And item number 10, the last thing that I think that I think, as things currently stand, the Dolphins have traded away the number two overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. I think the discrepancy, they own the number 10 overall pick, according to uh, the current landscape, thanks to San Francisco, who is two and four. I would be willing to bet that Miami and San Francisco finish within one game of each other when it's all said and done and five spots of each other in the actual draft order. And I don't think Miami's pick is going to finish top five. There's some weirdos out there going off because um, somebody had that hot take in the summer and every, every Dolphins fan pushed back against it. And I usually don't tell guys how to fan, but if your version of being a Dolphins fan is going around on social media, uh, going off about how right you were that the team sucked, like just pick a new team. <laughs> what a way to live. But football, the football power index from ESPN, uh, which puts metrics on every side of the ball and simulates tens of thousands of times each remaining game on the schedule, currently has the Dolphins in the power rankings as the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth worst team in football, 24th in the rankings. San Francisco is listed at 17th. I think Miami is probably going to end up giving up a pick that's somewhere between 6 through 9 or 10. And I think 
they're going to end up pulling a, a pick that's between 11 and 15. And I think they're going to be separated by probably a game. Listen to the rest of San Francisco's schedule. This is important. So they, they beat, this is really important. They beat week one, the Detroit Lions, almost blew that game in the last minute. Uh, Detroit is winless on the season. And then they went to Philadelphia in week two and beat the Eagles by six points. The Eagles, uh, at this point in time, are two and five. Those are the two wins for San Francisco this year. They've lost every other game that they've played. They got to go at Chicago. Maybe a win. Maybe. Let's call it half a win. Then they're against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm inclined to call that a loss. Then they're against the LA Rams. Inclined to call that a loss. At Jacksonville, let's call that a win. So you're at one and a half. Home against the Vikings, I'm going to call that a loss. At Seattle, Russell Wilson will be back. I'm going to call that a loss. At Cincinnati, inclined to call that a loss with how poorly uh, or how well the Cincinnati Bengals are playing right now. And at that point, just tip your cap to Cincinnati and, and they're doing a really nice job this season. The Falcons, call that a win, two and a half. The Titans in Tennessee. San Francisco going to uh, Tennessee two days before Christmas to play a night game. Think that's going to be cold? Calling that a loss. Texans, three and a half wins. And then at Rams to finish the season. San Francisco's two and four, and I see three, four wins remaining on the schedule for them. And I know it feels like the Dolphins are never going to win another football game. But you got the Jets twice, and you got the Texans at least on this schedule. Carolina and the New York Giants are awful football teams right now. If Miami finds four, five, finish with approximately the same record, all of this drama that exists right now, do you remember 2019? Dolphins were shooing for the number one overall pick right now. This point of the year. They were 0 and 7. Had lost to the Steelers on Monday Night Football. The tanking conversation had never been hotter. We all know how that season ended. There's a lot that can change still. Miami's not playing good defensive football, but they're playing some bad offenses coming up. Texans, Jets, Panthers, Giants, those are bad offenses. And I think Miami's going to have a reasonable chance to win a number of those football games and then, heaven forbid, if they steal a game or two that they don't have any business stealing. So to the doomsday of the Dolphins trade situation, I say relax. And that is the last of the 10 things that I think that I think. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode episode of the show. Make sure you keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. This is Kyle Krabs. Fins up. Make it a good one. And I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.